Xavier, I'd be rich if I had a dollar every time I heard someone say, man, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know today about money. They need to be teaching about this stuff in school. Like the power of investing early. Compound interest. That alone would impact lives. Understanding and planning for taxes. Understanding the difference between both good debt and bad debt. Eric, what about all the stuff about money that business owners need to know? What kind of insurance should you be buying? The importance of contributing towards your retirement. They don't teach any of this stuff in school. Y'all sit back, get ready, because we are talking stuff about money they didn't teach you in school that you need to know. Hey, welcome everyone uh, to Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I'm Xavier Angel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Garcia. Welcome, Eric. How are you doing today? Man, I'm good. I got a little cold here in New Orleans. It was it was warming up. I thought winter was done. But hey, we're on that roller coaster ride. Cold today, supposed to warm up tomorrow. I guess that's what spring brings this year. And I was walking out the house this morning in a polo, and I had to put on a, a, a coat just to just to stay warm. You look nice today. Thank you. It's not often I see you in a coat. Every now a and suit then. coat. Every now and then I'll dress up, man. It's part. I guess it's part well, of the job. It is. Well, you look nice. I I, I like to see you that way. Awesome. One of these days, I'm gonna have to get you with a tie on. Yeah, those days are over. <laughs> so on that, well, on that, everybody. so so, yeah. so check this out, y'all. Y'all, you know, he's he said that's an inside joke here. So years and years and years ago, Xavier got me to um, uh, join a uh, one of the local associations here in the financial space, and uh, everyone always dressed up in coat tie. And I always dreaded anytime I had to go to a meeting because Xavier's like, you got to wear a tie. I'm like, I don't want to have to wear a tie. So he got me wearing ties when I didn't wear ties and I don't go to those meetings anymore. So I don't wear ties. And and vice versa. Um, I used to wear for 14 years, I wore a coat and tie every day. And then you started hanging out Eric with Eric and I, since, we, <laughs> since we've since we been together over the past year and a half now, I very rarely wear a coat and tie. You're but welcome. I think the pandemic, the pandemic has a little bit to do with that as well. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so, all right, man. It's more. It's more. Definitely more comfortable. We should, we're, so, gonna, we're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna record one of our podcasts in ties, just just for the just for old time's sake. Okay. I I, I love it. What are we talking so, about today? Today we're talking about uh, frequently asked questions regarding IRAs. Okay. Um, so yeah. we've got the top six questions that uh, Eric and I consistently hear from clients. Uh, so we want to go ahead and discuss those today and give you some guy give you guys some insight mm. on IRAs. Insight IRAs. So yeah, IRAs. What's, what is an IRA? Individ- what is an IRA, Xavier? Individual retirement account. Ah, okay. Good. So Eric, let let's start off um and let's talk about the difference between uh traditional and Roth IRAs. Uh give us some insight on that. Oh, you want me to give you insight on it? It a Go for it. All right. So, yeah. So, IRAs. So, when we're talking about IRAs, they come in a couple different varieties. So, for individuals, there's some there's some stuff that we're going to keep on the side that are available to businesses. So, just keep in mind, we're talking about individual retirement accounts. And they come in two, two main varieties, a traditional IRA and then a Roth IRA. The traditional IRA is kind of the the OG. It's been around for, for a while. The Roth... Xavier, do you know, fun fact, do you know when the Roth IRA came into play? If I had to guess, I would probably say late 80s, early 90s. 1998. 
Isn't that, wow. it hasn't been around that long. No, that's pretty crazy. So here, here's the main difference between the two. Okay. In a traditional IRA, when you make a contribution or save money in a traditional IRA, you get a tax deduction this year. So let's say, for example, you make $100,000 and you contribute the maximum this year, 6,000 into your traditional IRA, you're only paying taxes on 96,000. That's kind of cool, right? In a Roth IRA, if you make $100,000 and you make a $6,000 distribution, you don't get a deduction today. So no deduction on your income today, all right? So that's on contributions. On growth, both traditional IRAs or both IRAs, they grow tax deferred, meaning you're not paying any taxes as the money is growing until retirement. In a traditional IRA, when you take the money out, 100% of the money comes out fully taxable as ordinary income, right? Because remember, you got a deduction Mm -hmm. when that money was going in. The Roth IRA, the money comes out 100% income tax-free, which is kind of cool. Uh, right. Remember, you didn't so, get the deduction when you put the money in. Correct. So on my contributions, on a Roth IRA, my contribution is going in after-tax dollars. And then when I pull the monies out, I pay no taxes. That's right. Correct? Yep. And on my traditional IRA, in some cases, when I make that, that $6,000 contribution, I could potentially get a tax deduction accurate yeah so here's the question the question is which one do you invest in and that's a great question how do you make that decision i hear i hear that often is is it better to to take the deduction today or to pay tax today and pay uh get get tax-free money later on here's how i like to think about it so a lot of you a lot of you know that i have a backyard garden we've got chickens and it's been a little while. I got, got to do some planting. It's been cold. But if you've ever planted anything from a seed, all right, you start off with a really small seed, right? And then you plant it and it, you add water and it grows over time. And then you have this beautiful harvest. Let's tomato plant, for example. A lot of people have tried their hand at tomatoes. Tomatoes are really, really small seed and it grows into a big plant with a lot of fruit. If you had to pay a tax on that small seed or on the harvest, what would you rather? Well, I'd rather pay I think tax I'd rather the seed on the smallest amount. That's on the kinda, smallest amount. It's kind of how a Roth IRA works. Is everyone wants a tax deduction? I get it. No one likes to pay taxes. CPAs love recommending their clients do it. Get get the biggest tax deduction you can today. So they want to they want to go to a traditional IRA. However, if you have a lot of time on your hands, if you're younger and you're saving for your retirement, you're going to be far better off in most cases. In most cases, paying the tax on that contribution versus the giant pot of money that it's going to grow to 20, 30 years from now. Hmm. I like that concept. You like that? I, I love it. Yeah. So Eric. Xavier. When can I start contributing? You know, let, let's talk about who can contribute. When's the earliest they can tr- contribute uh, to uh, the IRAs? Yeah. I mean, really, there's, there's um, one really simple rule to contributing to an IRA. Do you have earned income? Have you worked and earned money? And if you have, you're eligible to contribute to an IRA. So I've got this client mm-hmm. um, and the, the client has their, their daughter's just graduated from college. She's in her first job 
And they came to me and they said, what is the best route to go? Do we do a traditional? Do we do a Roth? Um, so our conversation, based off of everything that you just talked about, we're setting her up to begin contributing into that Roth IRA. So the next question that came up is, what could they invest in? You know, what type of investments could they put into the Roth IRA? Yeah. So I have a lot of conversations. There, there's there's some confusion on this. There's some people who think, and this this is, I mean, if you're not in this space, it's it's not uncommon to think this. They think that the IRA itself is the investment. IRA is nothing more than than rules or tax laws that apply to a pot of money. So most commonly in IRAs, you're going to have anything from um, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. You can even have bank CDs in an IRA if you're if you're risk averse. Um, so the 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 uh, the rules about what can be inside of an IRA are pretty broad in terms of like investable assets. Now, where it gets squirrely and where I get some some questions from clients, I cannot put real estate in my IRA. Can I put uh, other collectibles in your IRA? I'm just going to say this. That is not my wheelhouse. That is not, um, I do not have a lot of knowledge in that area. There's some, there's some uh, self-directed IRAs, but they're they're not for the average person. I'll, I'll just leave it at that because I don't really know enough to speak intelligently about it. But um, that that is a possibility. But it does get very complicated. And that that is a question that comes up often uh, that I hear is about those self-directed IRAs. So, um, so thank you for that one, Eric, because I forgot about that. Yeah, you forgot about that. Yeah, but that's but no. that, keep in mind that the IRA is not the investment. You're not investing in an IRA. You're taking advantage of the rules and the laws that apply that the IRS has given us to be able to save for retirement. And you can invest in, you know, the, the, a breadth of, of investments from money market accounts, right? If you're super risk averse to individual stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, and so on and so forth. So if I'm under 50 years old, yeah, then I can come in and make a contribution of $6,000 per year. Right now. Yep. It, and if I'm 50 or older in 2022, then I can make a contribution of $7,000. Yes, for our more Correct? for our more mature clients. No. 50 and plus. <laughs> so, all right. So I, I like that. Six and 7,000. Yeah, so so 7,000 would be the max for that 50-year-old or older. It's, it's a catch-up. They call it a catch-up provision. Okay. So the idea is IRS is saying, hey, look, you're older now. You're approaching... You're getting closer to retirement age. They're going to allow you to save more and to, to take full advantage of the, you know, of the, either the deduction on the front end or the tax deferred growth while it's growing. So they're going to give you that catch up provision, allow you to put away a little bit more. Because remember, the IRS wants to encourage the the, the Congress, the the country wants to encourage individual savings. The more individuals save, the less of a burden they are as they get older. They are in the state right? On the federal government. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's the IRS's way of saying, hey, you're getting old now. We're going to let you put away a little bit more money towards your retirement. And that, that look, that's a moving number. 6,000. I remember when it was 5,000, then it was 5,500, and now it's 6,000. And my guess is in the next few years, that number is going to creep up even more, particularly with, with inflation on the rise. Uh, so that number does tend to increase over time. And there is one more difference between the two. So on that on that traditional IRA, 
generally we're, we have an age at which we need to begin taking those required minimum distributions or RMDs. Yeah, thank you. 70 and a half. 72. 72 and a half now. It was 70 and a half. 72 now. Yes. Yeah, and then on those on those Roth IRAs. So let's, yeah, let's, so, let's talk about let's talk about the RMDs real quick. What what okay? What is that? What what is what is a required minimum distribution? So that that's the point at which. So you just mentioned that the IRS wants us to save as much money as possible, and on those traditional IRAs, we're typically taking that deduction up front. Mm-hmm. So at at that that RMD is the required minimum distribution that the IRS is going to require us to take out on an annual basis. Yep. And when we pull that money out, then that's when we're going to pay the ordinary income taxes on those distributions, annual distributions. Yeah, because remember- So that's a minimum amount that we have to take out. That's right. Because remember, on those traditional IRAs, you got a deduction when you put the money in and it's grown tax deferred, so you've paid zero taxes on that money. So the government's like, man, we need to collect our taxes on that money. We can't let you just sit on it forever and ever and ever. So they start to force it out. And it's a, it's a it's a formula. And it's an increasing formula. So the older you are, the more they're going to force out of your account. Doesn't apply to Roth IRAs. It's a beautiful thing about Roth IRAs. And I'll tell you what, from a, from an income planning standpoint, um, we, when, when we're putting together income plans for clients that are in there, when they've reached... RMD age and they have to take money out of their account, they may have all their income secured from social security, from pensions, from other sources. And then next thing you know, they have a 30 or $40,000 distribution that they have to take from their retirement account that they didn't want to take, that they have to pay taxes on. So income planning becomes, you know, that's part of the calculus when we're deciding, hey, should we be putting money in a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA? You get a deduction today in a traditional IRA, but you may be causing a problem later on. Uh, so it's not just looking at what's going to happen today. It's what's going to happen 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And that's that's where that, that Roth IRA comes into play then. Because on the Roth IRA, I don't have that RMD or that required minimum distribution Man, on a Roth IRA. I'm going to tell you, I get so excited when I'm doing income planning with clients and they have a lot of Roth IRA money. It makes it so much easier from a tax standpoint to plan because we don't have to deal with RMDs. Yeah. Now one of the other one of the other things that we discuss as well is when can we begin taking money out with no penalties or no taxes? 59 and a half on both the traditional IRA and Roth IRA, we can begin to take distributions uh, without paying those taxes. Without without uh, in a Roth IRA I, without Yes. Yes. Um, Thank you for correcting penalties. me on that. In a traditional IRA, you have to pay your tax at 59 and a half. You can take it out. No penalty. Penalty is typically 10%. So if you take out money early, you're going to pay um, a 10% penalty. And in a Roth IRA, you are going to pay tax on the gain if you take it out early. Okay. But if you wait till full retirement age for IRAs, 59 and a half, in a Roth IRA, that money comes out income tax-free and penalty-free. In a traditional IRA, after 59 and a half, you pay no penalty, just taxes. So my, my magic number for distributions then is 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. Now, caveat. In a, in a Roth IRA, okay, there's a provision that allows you to access your contribution, but no growth on the contribution. I believe it's after five years of the account being active. So if I've got a Roth IRA, let's just say over the past 10 years, I've been adding let's just say $5,000 a year. 
So that's $50,000. And let's say the account has grown to 75,000 and I'm only 50. I could technically withdraw. I don't recommend this. I mean, there's some circumstances where it makes sense, but generally, um, you know, if you've put money away to grow for retirement, you, you typically don't want to pull it out, um, for just, you know, just willy nilly on a whim, but you could technically take out your contribution that $50,000 that you added without any penalty or taxes. Cause remember you've already paid tax on it. That's on a Roth IRA, not a traditional on a Roth only. Eric, we we've got, um, it's tax time now. Uh, what generally is the deadline for IRA contributions? Cause I get that question often. I've got, you know, people are asking me, is it too late to make a contribution for the previous year? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, common question. You can make a contribution up until your filing date. So typically it's the 15th of April. It changes. Sometimes it's the 17th or 18th, depending on what day that falls on. But you can, you can contribute up to that date. If you file an extension, your IRA contribution still has to be made at the normal filing date of April or 15th or whatever that day is. And that's for both... Um, traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs. So there's so still I time. Get no extension on making my contributions. Not for not for individual retirement accounts, not for IRAs. Oh. Now, okay. here's something here's something that that you need to take in consideration. We haven't talked about this yet, but there are income limits on your um, on your ability to make a contribution. So if you make too much money, you start to get phased out in your ability to, to make these contributions. So this is the moving number. I have to pull out my charts because I never remember it. But on a Roth IRA, for example, if you're married filing jointly, it depends on how you file your taxes. On a Roth IRA, you start to get phased out at $204,000. And the full phase out is 214000 so if you make over 214,000, you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA. If you make under 204,000, you can you can max it out without being phased out. And then that 2,204 to $214,000 number, you start they start to phase you out and limit what you can contribute. So under that limit then, both my wife and I could make a contribution into our own IRA mm -hmm. up to that maximum of $6,000 if we're under age 50. Each. For a total of $12,000 total. Total. 6000 each, yep. 12000 total. Yep. Nice. Yep. I, I, I definitely like that. And then the traditional IRA, similar. Um, similar phase out, two hundred four to 214000 married, filed jointly. Now, this is where it gets confusing, and I'm not going to go too deep into this, but... The number, the 204,000 income number, it's based off of your modified adjusted gross income. Okay. Not your total income, but your modified adjustable gross income. So it's, you take your adjusted income and then you have to add back certain things into that. It's, it's not a straightforward number. So if you're close to that income number, it's, it's not a bad idea to sit down with a, um, a CPA, look at your tax return, get some direction from, from your advisor or your CPA as to whether or not you qualify. Um, but that modified adjusted gross number is becoming more and more important um, in terms of phase outs, not just for retirement accounts, but even all the all the um, programs that we've just seen for COVID and all that. That's the number that the government's looking at. It's not even a number on your tax return. You have to calculate it. And, and now that we're, we're actually talking about what we can and can't do, the modified adjusted gross, um, 
Another question that I hear is, can I contribute to both a 401k and an IRA? It depends. That's a common question that I receive. It depends. It's a common answer. It depends. Typically, yes. Yes, you can. Technically, you can. However, you're going to have some limitations. So let's go back to our situation. Let's go to a traditional, um, for example, a, a traditional IRA contribution. If, if you participate in a 401k, the income limits are going to drop in terms of being able to contribute. They drop significantly. I think it's somewhere in like the, the 100, 110,000 range in terms of getting a, a full deduction. So if you want to contribute to a traditional IRA and you're in a 401k, keep that in mind that because you have that retirement account at work, the income limits determining whether you can make a, a deductible contribution to an IRA are going to drop. You can always make a non-deductible IRA mm -hmm. contribution. And um, I believe for Roth IRAs, you can still contribute if you're in a if you're in a traditional if you're in a 401k you can still make a Roth contribution similar limits as as before but you always want to check those income limits well if if my income limits allow me mm -hmm. um, would there be a would there be a scenario to where I would want to contribute to more of a brokerage account as opposed to a traditional or a Roth IRA would it does it make a difference now when you say brokerage account you're talking about a non-retirement account just a regular non-retirement account. account yes absolutely. So the question is, would it make sense if if I'm able to make a, a contribution to an IRA, why not just make it to my normal taxable investment account? Right? Is that the question? Correct. Okay. That that is the question. Yeah. This is where personal finance gets really personal. Um is if you have a qualified account, a retirement account at work that you're contributing to and you, you have significant amount of your net worth of your liquid assets tied up in a retirement plan, then yeah, I would say there's a scenario where you might not want to tie extra money you have up into another retirement plan if you don't have sufficient money on the side. Because remember, you limit your access to that money. So even though you get a deduction, which is cool, right? Um, you know, you're 35 and you're making a contribution to your traditional IRA because you want that deduction. You're hell-bent on that deduction. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem is your money's tied up for another 15 years. Is that the right math? But another 15 right. years. So if you're sufficiently funding a retirement account, like a 401k or something like that, it's not a bad idea to have other investments that remain accessible to you that are still exposed to the market that are still growing because you might want to go on a trip. You might want to start a business. You might want to buy a house. You want to have access to that money. So, so if all your money's tied up in retirement, then that's, that, that's not a bad spot. That's a bad spot to be in if you need cash. Right. So being accessible, I have access to those monies prior to 59 and a half. And those will actually meet some of my other goals that, that I may be planning towards, whether it's education purposes for my children, um, purchasing a new home, whatever my goal may be, I have access to those monies early with no penalties. Yeah. That's right. Nice. I, I, I like that one as well. You like that? It. it I'm going to Actually, I'm going to pivot and go back a little bit. Uh -huh. um, so we, we talked about where you could be invested inside of your IRAs. What what can we invest inside of your IRAs? Yep. And so I, I think another question um, that we need to talk about is not so much as what we can invest in our portfolios, but how do we invest and, and how do we asset allocation? You know, 
making sure that we're allocating our portfolios proper. I think that is a, a, an important uh, question as well, a topic to discuss. Yeah, so asset um, allocation. So assets, meaning the actual investments you're in, allocation, meaning spread it out, spreading it out. Where, where is it actually, where are you putting it? So typically in the, in the investment space, when we talk about asset allocation, we think of an asset as like large companies, large growing companies, small growing companies, medium-sized growing companies, uh, bonds or or high yield bonds, like all these different type of classes of investments. And I think what you're talking about is so often we see clients or investors who make an investment decision in some type of investment account and never go back and look at where the money is sitting, how it's invested. This is kind of one of my first rules of financial security, know where your money's at. And that that part of that is understanding how your money's invested, which is your asset allocation. Because you invested in something you know, 10 years ago and you haven't changed it, it, maybe it's not appropriate anymore. Maybe maybe you, you know, need to move it. Uh, maybe that- it, one, of the ex- one of the examples that I use, um, I, I think about it as driving a car on the interstate. You know, how fast are you driving? You know, are you driving 60 miles an hour and doing a speed limit? Are you doing 75, 80 miles an hour? Or are you doing it somewhere in the middle? And and when when I when I talk about it, yes, we're looking at the the companies and and you know are we using large cap, small cap, mid cap, whatever it may be, but also how conservative or aggressive do we want to be mm-hmm. uh, inside that portfolio, and and revisiting that portfolio like you meant, like you said on an annual basis. Yeah, absolutely. Because because I mean I always talk about risk tolerance. What's going to keep you up at night? You know, that's your conservative or aggressive. Um, you know, aggressive investors tend to have a high tolerance for risk. Conservative investors tend to have a low tolerance for risk. But then we also have to look at risk capacity. Young people have a high capacity for risk. Yeah. You know, I am 42. I can weather things like we're experiencing right now in the stock market. When the stock market turns bad because we have some geopolitical event happening, I've got the capacity to withstand that. You know, my client who's 66, who's retiring in six months, they need to be a little bit more concerned. So how those assets are allocated becomes very, very important for the client who's looking to retire or who's relying on their investments for income versus someone like me or you who still has 15, 20, 25 years ahead of us to invest. Mm-hmm. And by doing that asset allocation, then one of the things that... that um that we're capable of doing is as we get closer to retirement time, then as our our risk tolerance changes, we could either make it more conservative, more moderate, whatever it may be. So that changes as we get older and closer to uh, retirement. So that is an important piece to look at as well. Yeah, true, good stuff. I think that was more than six questions, dude. I think we went over that, more that than was. six frequently asked questions. We get a lot of questions, y'all, a lot of questions. <laughs> And, and they're all there. Look, they're great questions, you know. Um, so having getting into those because it can drive other questions once we get into the answers for those. So yeah, look if any look if anyone has any specific questions, you can find us easy stuffaboutmoney.com. That'll take you to the website. You can find our contact information. We'd love to answer any questions that you have. Maybe your question will become one of the questions that we answer on the podcast itself. But um, be sure to follow us. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast. You can find us on YouTube as well. Um, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And um, yeah, this is not everything you need to know about IRAs, but I think we hit on 
six plus a few more Langyap questions about what you need to know about IRA. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. We look forward to the next one. Have a great day. Information presented and discussed on the Stuff About Money podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute direct financial advice. Consult with a qualified financial advisor prior to implementing any strategies discussed. Eric Garcia and Xavier Angel's branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with the Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated.